We started last week looking at prayer, right? And the thought that hit us was that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, you want for your prayer life to avail much. You want for your prayer life to actually see answers. You want to see God do things because that's part of being a Christian. Actually seeing your prayer life, seeing, seeing you have an impact, and seeing life change. In fact, if we were to actually look at it long and hard, scripturally, you know, the greatest impact you and I are going to have is through prayer. That is the greatest impact that we're going to actually have through prayer. But you know what happens? What happens is if our prayer is not effective, we, we very rapidly come to the place where we might do it because it's a duty. Right? Now, not everybody will do that. Not everybody is up for that. Not everybody has enough discipline to do that. But you might do it because it's a duty, but you know what? You're not seeing answers. We ought to be expecting and seeing answers in our prayer lives. But if we're going to expect and see answers in our prayer lives, then there are some things that God tells us need to be present in our lives. Now... 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15 is a powerful promise with a condition. Right? It's a powerful promise with a condition. Sometimes we're optimistic and we read the promise and miss the condition, don't we? <clears throat> we miss what God is... We, we, we want to grab the promise and take the promise, but you know what? Uh, we're, we're ignoring uh, the condition in it now. We're going to focus on the condition. I'm going to talk a little bit about the promise right now, and then we're going to focus on the condition. Uh, in this. <clears throat> and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hear us. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Right? That's a blank check. That's, that is, you, you can't take that as being anything other than a blank check. God says, listen, <clears throat> uh, whatever <coughs> you ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask for. Hmm. Bit of a conundrum though, isn't it? Because the problem is our experience doesn't bear that out. The problem for us is that, you know, we don't get what we ask. Now, why don't we get what we ask? Why don't we get everything that we ask for? Well, <clears throat> one of the reasons, and there are several, can be that we're not asking in the will of God. We're not. The promise is that if we ask anything according to his will. George Mueller <clears throat> is <clears throat> remembered as a man of faith and a man of prayer. And George Mueller saw so many answered prayers over the years. He saw God do so many things in his life. But <clears throat> we've been through it. I could actually give it to you. George Mueller had, before he would ever begin to pray about something, he would establish that it was the will of God. He wasn't going to commit himself to prayer for something unless he was sure it was the will of God. And then once he was sure it was the will of God, he was going to commit himself to it and he was going to keep on praying until it came through, until it happened. But <clears throat> this issue of the will of God is a key issue for us. We need to understand <clears throat> this is a key issue, this is an issue that you and I <clears throat> need to grapple with and understand for our lives because <clears throat> sometimes we, we pray unintelligently. 
We, we pray like it's a shopping list. We pray like it's our wish list. We're not sure whether God wants it in our lives. We're not even sure it would be the best thing for us, but we pray anyway. And that's just beating the air. We don't understand what it is that God is doing and what God wants. We need, <clears throat> we're going to see that it's actually a life of living in his will that produces the relationship that you can ask anything and God gives it to you. There's one pastor scripture that <clears throat> I'm not going to read it for you uh, that, 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 that really intrigues me in, in the idea of a relationship between God and man. And it, it's Elisha. Uh, Elisha took over from Elijah, but in 2 Kings uh, chapter 4, verse 27, he, he had uh, um, prayed for a, a son for the Shunammite woman. God had given the Shunammite woman a son, and then the son took sick and he died. And the Shunammite woman <coughs> saddled up her donkey and she took off. Uh, she was going to find Elisha and she was going to have this fixed because, you know, <coughs> This just wasn't right. God had given her this son, and now he was taken. And when she comes to Elisha, <clears throat> she comes to Elisha, and she falls at his feet. She's, she's hanging, uh, hanging out of Elisha. And um, <clears throat> as she hangs out of Elisha, uh, Gehazi, the servant, is going to remove her from take her out of the way. And, and, and Elisha says this. He says, let her alone, because her spirit is vexed in her. And then he says this. He says, <clears throat> and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Do you know what Elisha is? Elisha is amazed. God didn't tell me. She's in trouble, and God never told me. Now, you know what that indicates? That indicates a relationship with God, whereby God was telling him stuff all the time. <clears throat> he was surprised not to know what God was doing in the situation. You and I are surprised when we do know, aren't we? <clears throat> You know, listen, there's a relationship with God that's available to us that's much deeper than the one we have. And remember, it was Elijah we were talking about last week, but it says of Elijah that he was a man of like passions as we are. So was Elisha. You know, God does not have great men. Never, never will we see the like of him again. No, God has humble servants that he uses and works through. And while I may not be a great man, and you may not be a great man or a great woman, you know what? We serve a great God. And we can have that kind of a relationship with him. But <clears throat> it's not something that happens by accident. Nothing good typically happens by accident. You want good things to happen? You know what? You've got to get serious about them. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll begin to look at the Scripture. Father, help us now. Lord, <clears throat> We're looking at an area that I believe is close to your heart and, Lord, definitely is close to our hearts. And Lord, we want this sweet relationship with you. We want to understand what it is uh, to live in your will, to know your will, and, Lord, to pray in your will and see answers. Lord, would you bless? Would you speak to hearts? Lord, wherever people are in their hearts today, Lord, I, I, I do pray that you would just enable each one to see something of you that would draw them and encourage them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so <clears throat> if we're going to pray, we need to pray in the will of God. Now, praying, praying in the will of God is not something that, you know, okay, <clears throat> you, you know, you live your own way, do your own thing, and then you come to the place where, okay, I need this from God, so I'm going to find out what God's will in the situation and do it. That's really not the way it works. Uh, <clears throat> if we're going to pray in the will of God, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to understand that it's a life lived in the will of God. 
It's a life that's lived in the will of God. Jesus lived in the will of the Father. John 6, 38, and I could give you bundles of verses that say essentially the same thing. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, <clears throat> but the will of him that sent me. Right? So again and again, Jesus tells us that. Uh, in verse in John 5, verse 30, he says, I can of mine own self do nothing as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which sent me. And, and on and on through the scripture, we find Jesus doing the Father's will. So here's, here's the way that would look in real life, right? You know, if, if you had come to Jesus uh, when Mary had asked him to mind his little brothers and, and asked Jesus, now what are you doing? Jesus would have said, my Father's will. Right? If you had come to him in the shop when he was uh, making a table uh, and asked him, what are you doing? He would have said, my Father's will. If you had met him when he was 12 uh, in the temple in Jerusalem, he told his parents, I was doing my father's will. Right? If you had met him when he was, <clears throat> when he was feeding 5,000 people and asked him, what are you doing? He would have said, I'm doing my father's will. If you had met him when he was raising Lazarus, he would have said, I'm, I'm doing my father's will. Everything that Jesus did was his father's will. He lived for his father's will. That's what he did. That was his focus. That was what he did. His life was not about Jesus. His life was about the Father. His life was not his own. His life belonged to his Father. Now you say, well, that's, that, that's okay for Jesus. He, <clears throat> he was perfect and we're not. No, you're not perfect. But you know what? The day you got saved, something happened. Something radical happened in your life. The Spirit of God came in to dwell in your life. And as you walk in the Spirit and as you, you're, you're in Christ, you know what? Your life should be lived to do the Father's will. <clears throat> John 2, 2 verse 17 says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, <clears throat> we can live our lives for ourselves, or we can live our lives for his will. Now, lest you get kind of <clears throat> burdened down with it, because the enemy loves to throw things at us that, make it, that are impossible, doesn't he? God never throws anything, that, anything at you that's impossible. It may seem impossible, but with his power, it's always possible. When God, asks you, when God asks you to do something, it's always possible in his power. Right? Now, how are you going to live to do the will of God? Well, first of all, think of the why. Why would you live to do the will of God? Well, here's the deal. You know, one day soon, and when I say soon, it's going to be sooner for some than it is for others. One day soon, you're going to end this life and you're going to step into the presence of your heavenly father. Now, when you step into the presence of your Heavenly Father, only one thing is going to abide. You doing His will. That's the only thing. You may have had great ideas that you carried out, and you said, well, I think I'll do this. This is a good idea. And you were doing your own thing. That won't matter. You may have done a whole bunch of things in your life that... <clears throat> you really wanted to do and were fun and you had the money to do or whatever else and they weren't the will of the Father. And you know what? <clears throat> Listen, that's not going to count. So how are you going to live to do His will? How are you going to live? Doesn't that sound next to impossible to us? How would I live to do His will? Well, <clears throat> you'd almost need Him to tell you His will step by step, wouldn't you? You'd almost need somebody there sitting on your shoulder saying, okay, this is what he wants now. You have that in the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. When you walk in the Spirit, 
you're doing his will. You know, <clears throat> listen, when you walk in the spirit, you're going to do a whole lot of mundane things. But they're his will. Jesus did a whole lot of mundane things in his life. He walked. You know, <clears throat> he slept. He ate. He made furniture. He did all the things a kid does, played games and all the rest of it, I'm sure. But they were all in the will of the Father. In other words, he was not setting out to do his own thing and go his own way. He was doing what the Father wanted him to do. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> this week, if somebody was to follow you through your week this week and at, at, at different points say to you, what are you doing? Could you honestly say the will of my Father? Or would you say, well, hang on, I'm going to go to church. I'll do his will then. I'm going to have my devotions and I'll do his will then. Could you honestly say, no, I'm doing the will of my Father. I'm doing what the Spirit of God wants me to do. There's only one way you can do it, and that's for you to be walking in the Spirit. You can't do it apart from that. There's no set of rules that you could keep that would actually <clears throat> make it happen for you. But <clears throat> you're supposed to be doing the will of the Father. Now, <clears throat> here's the thing. When it comes down to your prayer life, Right? Your prayer life is not a separate part of your life in the sense of, <clears throat> okay, well, you know, I do my own thing all day long, and then I get on my knees before God because I have needs, and I tell Him my needs. Uh-uh. Your prayer life is part of the flow of your life. It's part of the flow of your life, and the flow of your life needs to be that you're doing His will. Because remember, the promise is, if we, <clears throat> if we ask anything according to His will. You know, <clears throat> when we ask anything according to his will, he gives it. God gives it. But you know what? It's because of that union of the human and the divine that we walk with him and we're fulfilling his plans. It's not that he doesn't give you anything you want. He only gives you what he wants. When you're walking according to his will, what you want is what he wants. And what he wants is what you want. And when you're in that place then, you're in that relationship where you're walking with him and you can expect answers. And it's not about you <clears throat> keeping the rules. You're not going to keep the rules, you're not able. It's about you keeping one rule. Following the Spirit of God. Doing what he tells you to do. Or you'll get it wrong. Even at that, as simple as it is. And when you do, you confess it and make it right and you get back to the place where you're walking in his will. But God wants to, God wants <clears throat> to meet your needs. God wants to take care of you. God wants to provide for you. But he does it as you walk in his will. You see, what happens for us is, <clears throat> and we looked at this last week, we get selfish about it. Well, I want my need and you know what? God's a soft touch. He'll probably give it to me. And we, we want to come to God and, you know, get God to do what we can't do in our lives. But we don't want to walk with Him. And we're at odds with Him. And God says, uh-uh. Let's use this opportunity to get something straightened out in your life. Let's, let's, let's use this opportunity to help you for eternity. And so he wants you to walk in his will. Jesus walked in the Father's will. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you know what? Whatever he asked, he got. 
Now, we're going to look in a moment at one thing he didn't get, but we're going to see something about that too, right? Um, <clears throat> secondly, you need to be willing to do God's will. That's huge for us. Just this idea of being willing to do God's will. Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever he wants you to do? You know, some of you would say, well, yeah, if he would send me off to a mission field, I'd be willing to go. But okay, but are you willing to do what God wants you to do tomorrow? Because there's not much point in you being willing to go to a mission field uh, if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do today. You see, God wants you to do his will, and he, need, he needs you to be willing to do his will. What if his will is not what you want for your life? What if his will is something entirely different from what you've planned and you thought and you desired for your life? Are you willing to do his will? You see, Jesus was willing to do the Father's will. Um, Luke twenty two forty two finds him in the garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he's left the disciples to pray, but of course they, uh, they've fallen asleep. They don't get the moment. <clears throat> they've fallen asleep. Uh, and he prays, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Now, what's he saying there? Well, he's facing the cross and all the agony of the cross. But he's facing much more than the cross. He's also facing the reality of a separation between him and his father that has never happened before. He's facing much more than we can really understand, although what we can understand in terms of the pain and the suffering that he went through is, is, is horrific. And he comes to the night before it and he says, Father, if there's any way, take this cup away. What does he mean? I don't want it. My will is not to do this. My, my will is to, is to run my will is to get as far away from this horror as I possibly can. But he says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you want. I wonder this morning, could that be said of you and I? That I want his will. Don't we want his will because we think it's going to be nice and sweet? And Ultimately, I think it always is the best for us. But we don't want his will when it's going to be painful. We don't want his will when it's going to hurt. We don't want his will when it's going to cost us. And you see, the problem is that what that indicates about us is that <clears throat> really that we have a choice to make. Are we willing to do it even if it's not what I want? Isn't it interesting, you know, <clears throat> you can walk with God and you can be willing to do whatever God wants you to do except that. I can't do that. I'm not doing that. Well, you know what? You're not willing. You say, but, but, but if I do that, I die. Well, you know what? It might seem like you're going to die. You wouldn't. But you know, if you're not willing to do what he wants you to do, then you're not willing. And you see, the problem for us is that we need to be willing. You see, doing his will means dying to my will. Doing his will means dying to what I want. That's a hard one, isn't it? Haven't you faced that this week already? At some point <clears throat> where you were, you were asked to do his will and, and you know, <clears throat> doing his will was, was hard. And it was not what you wanted to do and, and, and it just smarted. But doing his will means not getting your will. Let me read you uh, from John 12. 
uh, verse 23. <clears throat> you didn't turn that. Let me just read it for you. And Jesus answered, and answered them, saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Here's what your life is. Your life is just, just a corn of wheat. Right? Nice shiny little corn of wheat. The, the, the only really exciting thing about it is it's yours. And you've got this nice shiny little corn of wheat in your life, and it belongs to you. And you've got two choices. Basically, you can hold on to this nice shiny little corn of wheat and hold on to it, and it's mine. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to run it. I'm going to do what I want with my life because it's my life. Right? And if you do that, all it'll ever be is a corn of wheat. That's all it's going to be. It's never going to be more than that. The other thing you can do is you can give up your little corn of wheat. You can say, Lord, you have it. I'm giving it up. You have it. You take it. You do what you want with it. Not what I want, what you want. And you let go your corn of wheat. And what Jesus says is, if you do that, your life brings forth abundantly. But that's a hard one, isn't it? Because we like our lives. We want our lives. We love our lives, and so we lose them. But... If we give our lives and let him have his way in our lives, what happens is we gain them. Now, listen, the heart of that is faith. See, you can hold on to the corn of wheat and you've got your corn of wheat and you're miserable. You've got your life. It's your life. You're not giving it up. You're not not letting anybody have it. It's your life. You're, You're holding on to it. And you can say, Lord... It's your life. You do what you want with it. And give it up to him. And then it counts. Now, let's make it practical here for a second. What are you facing right now that you're struggling with? What are you facing right now that you're saying, I can't do that. That's too hard. Who could expect me to do that? That's just too hard. I, I can't do that. And you're clenching it to you. But the life that's willing to die to self is saying, Lord, not my will, but yours. See, see, that's the life that's going to live in the will of God that's going to actually see God do great things. See, you want the prayer life. You and I both, we want a prayer life like Elisha, don't we? We want to be in contact with God so that we know what God is doing. We want to be those people that, <clears throat> that, that, that are close to God and walk with God. But you know, <clears throat> the reality is you can't have your life and your will and your way and have that life. You've got to yield it. What's he asking of you today? What's he putting his finger on in your life and saying this? What is it that he's saying to you? Are you willing to let go of that? And you can feel 
your fist clenching because you're not willing. Open your hand. Let the corn of wheat fall. Let him have his way. It's always going to be best. It's always going to be the best. If you hold on to it, if you don't yield, if you say, nevertheless, not your will, but my will, it's always going to end with you in a lesser place. Trust him. Let it go. Let him have his way. You see, doing his will means dying to self. If you want the prayer life that we're talking about here in 1 John chapter 5, you know what? It needs to be not my will but yours. See, when Jesus said, not my will but thine, that's both the pinnacle of doing his will and the starting point of doing his will. You see, here's what happens. You you decide, okay, I I don't want it to be my will. I want it to be his will. And you can make that decision this morning in church, and it's kind of a nice cozy place to make it, isn't it? That's that's the starting point. But you know, there will be a pinnacle for you too. There may be several pinnacles. There will be times when God will say to you, okay, so what about this? And if your commitment is real, what will happen is when it comes to what about this, you'll say, yes, Lord, not my will but thine. Now, he'll be there and he'll help you and he'll be with you, but you'll say, nevertheless, not my will but thine. Abraham, as he took Isaac up the mountain, nevertheless, not my will but thine. You know, that's where we need to go. That, we need to take that and, and let that seed drop. We need to give it to him and let him use it. You know, a <clears throat> hundred years from now, nobody's going to be sorry they gave him. Nobody's going to be sorry they yielded. Nobody's going to be sorry they let go. But if you don't, I guarantee you will be sorry. Because there won't be the fruit. You see, <clears throat> a life of relationship that sees answered prayers, a life that first of all <clears throat> does his will. And then it's a life that's willing to do his will, to die to your will and to do his will. And then we need to discern his will. What does he want me to do? What would he have me to do? And I, you know, I talk to people, and oftentimes people are confused. We talk about following the Spirit. And um, somebody will say to me, well... <clears throat> You know what? The Spirit hasn't convicted me of that. Now, it's something that's obviously clearly wrong in black and white from the Bible, and the Spirit hasn't convicted them uh, of that yet. You know, listen, if it's wrong, it's wrong. Now, what happens is the Spirit does convict us, but what we say is, I don't like that. You know, it's kind of like you know, the, 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 in those cards game, card games where you don't like the card, what you're asked to do, so you pass the card back and say, give me another one. We do that with it. Now, listen, if the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. Spirit wrote the Bible, so you know what? When he says it's wrong in the scripture, it's wrong. And if we're going to discern his will, we need to be willing to submit ourselves to the scripture. We'd be willing to do what God says to do in the scripture. We'd be willing to submit to his spirit. We'd be willing to submit to the scripture. Um, There are clear commands in scripture. 
don't, don't, don't flout them. You know, don't be proud and arrogant and say, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Listen, just bow to them. You see, you want the answered prayer, you want the relationship, you can't do it and flout Scripture. There are those clear commands. And then there are those areas where God declares his will. He declares his will in Scripture to us uh, several times, right? 2 Peter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The will of God is that no one should perish and that all should come to repentance. It doesn't mean everybody's going to get saved. Right? <clears throat> but that's his will. His will for people is... Now, you know, if that's his will, then it ought to be my will. Right? Thessalonians says, <clears throat> it's the will of God that we give thanks. We're supposed to be a thankful people. Are you a thankful person? Are you thankful for all that God is doing in your life? Isn't it easy to be moaning, isn't it? Isn't it easy to be find fault-finding and complaining and, uh, and moaning? Isn't it so much easier for you to do that than it is for you to actually be thankful? Now, you know what? The downward pull is always away from what God wants you to do. But you know what? When you decide, oh, listen, I'm, I'm going to be thankful. God says I'm to be thankful. And, and so the scripture clearly declares, God sometimes declares as well, this is my will, he says, so that we can't miss it. We need to do those things that God tells us to do. We need to submit ourselves to them. We need to yield to them. Let me ask you, are you? Do you have a heart for souls? Are you thankful? You know, do you? I mean, again, if, if we were to walk with you through the week and say, okay, now, is this you? Is it really you? You know, because the Spirit of God does effectively walk with us through the week, doesn't he? And he asked those questions, right? <clears throat> so clear commands of Scripture. Um, <clears throat> then you need to remove your will from the picture. George Mueller was, is fascinating in the way he writes about this. But, <clears throat> but what he says about it was that uh, the first thing he did when he, when he would look at doing something and beginning to pray about something is he would make sure his will was out of the picture. That it wasn't, he wasn't just praying about it because it was his will. Because if it was his will, it kind of spoiled the picture. You know the way? Isn't it, isn't it hard when, it, when you really want something to hear from God? Isn't it hard when, something, when there's something that you really want? It's hard for you to actually hear what God wants. So he, he, what he would do is if he was going to pray for something, he would actually uh, <clears throat> make sure his will was out of the picture. Not my will, but thine. Not what I want, but what you want. Because his will would spoil the picture in it. And, you know, that's what you need to do, too. You need, you need to come to the place in your life where you, where you put your will out of the picture. That's hard for us because we're very willful people, aren't we? We have strong wills. We want stuff. We want things in our lives. We have real strong wills. And it doesn't matter how sweet and how nice you make it look. You know what? In there... That's a strong will. Some of you are very strong-willed children. And you know what happens to strong-willed children? For the most part, they learn to cover it as they get older, but they stay strong-willed children and become strong-willed adults. Right? <clears throat> and they want their own way. And if you're going to see God answer prayer in your life, you've got to learn to put your will out of the picture. Um, <clears throat> the preacher Stanley puts it this way. He says, you've got to learn 
to get yourself into neutral. Where, Lord, whatever you want is all that matters. We're not good at that one. Now, the Spirit of God can help you do it, but you've got to get in the place where you're in neutral. You've got to let the things that are, that are so precious and so important to you, you've got to say, Lord, you know what, Lord, if you don't ever give me that, that's fine. Can you say that? Can you honestly say that, Lord? If you don't ever give me that, that's fine too. Now, if that's not your plan, I don't want to. You know what I've learned, and I think I'm honest in saying this, Now, the Lord may check me on it this week, and I may find I'm not as honest as I think I am. Right? But, you know, what I've learned to, to, to do is to say, Lord, if it's your will, I want it. Now, if it's not your will, I don't want it. Now, that's not because I'm so spiritual. That's because I've learned the best thing in my life is his will. Even when it's not what I see, the best thing in my life is his will. He knows. He gets it right. When he brings something in and says, Dave, this is what you need, it's always good for me. It may hurt like fire, but it's always good for me. But what i got to do in order for <clears throat> to be in the place where I'm walking with God and depending upon Him, you know what? <clears throat> i got to remove my will from the picture. Lord, it's not what I want, it's what you want. Now, <clears throat> there are also perils in you confusing your will for His. Matthew chapter 16, uh, Peter declares that Jesus uh, is the Son of God. And, and Jesus says to him, well done. <clears throat> flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you but my father which is in heaven blessed are you Simon Barjona and then Jesus goes on down uh, and and the um, just a couple of verses later in verse 21 he says from this time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day then Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying be it far from thee Lord this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Verse 23 is hard words from the Lord Jesus Christ. They are hard words. He says, Get, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense. You don't like the things of God. You like the things of men. Now, Peter would have defended himself at that point. <clears throat> To the very end, I'm only interested in you. I only want what's best for you. But you know what was best for Jesus? The cross. What Peter was trying to do inadvertently, he was trying to play Satan's part and stop Jesus from going to the cross. Now, he would have looked at his will as being good and right and perfect, and it was the best thing. Don't we get confused sometimes? We think our will is the best thing. And God tells us something different than our will. And we still think our will is the best thing. Jesus has just told Peter, Peter, I'm going to die. And Peter is saying, no way. No way, no chance, not a hope. Can't we do that one? We can get our will uh, confused with God's will. And you know what? You do that and you can pray till the cows come home. You're not going to get it. There needs to be that heart that says, Lord, if I'm wrong on this, would you show me? If I'm getting this wrong, would you just show me? Because, Lord, I, I want your will, not my will. 
Now, the, the cross is fascinating because, you know, <clears throat> if any of your friends said to you they were, <clears throat> they were going to the cross, you'd, you'd want to stop them. But you know what? It was the Father's will for the Son that he go to the cross. And Peter needed to align himself with that. Miguel texted me yesterday. They have a couple that they're <clears throat> close to up in uh, Iran, and they were both taken into custody, I think, a month ago. <coughs> and yesterday they were released. And she said that um, <clears throat> they were terribly shaken that they had been tortured while they were in, in prison. Now, they're older than I am, right? Uh, so, you know... And my instant thought, I, I actually had half the text written before I stopped myself. My instant thought was, will they leave Iran now? Right? Because, you know what? These are nice people. You don't want to see them getting hurt. You want them to leave. But you know what? How foolish of me. That may not be God's will in the situation at all. That may be not be what God wants in that situation at all. You see... <clears throat> We can confuse our will. We want people helped. We want, we want people to uh, have <clears throat> good, li- good lives. We can confuse our will for God's will. I-, I wonder, is it possible for you this morning that that's where you are? You're kind of stuck in your spiritual life? You're kind of caught? Because you've actually got something that is your will that you've confused as being God's will, and you're going after it for all your work, and you're not getting it. And you need to come back and you need to back off and you need to say, Lord, have I got this right? Lord, is this your will? Is this your will? Is this what you want or is this just what I want, Lord? Because, Lord, I want your will. I want what's best. I want what you want for me. Now turn with me to Romans chapter 12 as we close. Romans chapter 12. It's going to take us a few minutes to close, right? Um, <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. And I know some of you could quote these verses, but I want you to look at them. <clears throat> because if you want to discern the will of God for your life, Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it in capsule form for you. This is the how-to of discerning God's will. We'll read it and then we'll go through it. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, <clears throat> God's will, verse 2 tells us, is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, let's be honest, sometimes from the outside it doesn't look like that. Right? When Jesus is looking to the cross, he's saying, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. But when he's actually in the cross, what we see is a different picture. We see Jesus in full control of his faculties, and he's praying for those people around us. Yes, he's suffering, but what we see is we see something different. And then after the cross, the Bible tells us who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So you're looking at a good and acceptable and, and perfect will, but oftentimes, when you're looking down the gun barrel, so to speak, it doesn't like, like, look like it's good and acceptable and perfect. You've got to keep that in mind, right? That the will of God for your life is good and acceptable and perfect. You're never going to do the will of God for your life and say, 
man, that really sucks. I had a hard life because, you know, what God gave me his will, his will was just mean and horrible and nasty. Now, you're quite likely to do that if you do your own will for your life. You're quite likely to actually end up in the place where what you're saying is, that hurt, that, hurt, that was hard. But the will of God for your life is always good and acceptable. Now, how do you go about finding that will of God, right? Okay, <clears throat> well, he says in verse 12, he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does that mean? That means, Lord, I'm yours. You do what you like with me, Lord. My life doesn't belong to me. Oh, I got things I like, Lord, and I got plans and I got goals, but you know what? They don't count, Lord. My life belongs to you. Lord, you can do what you like with my life. I'm giving it into your hands. I'm giving control of my life over into your hands. You have it. You take it. You do what you want with it. That's what it means to present your body a living sacrifice. It's deep. It's not just something glib that you bounce over in Scripture. It's deep. Lord, I'm yours. Whatever you want to do. Typically what we do is we, you know, we say, okay, that's a good idea, and we do it. And then God does something, and we say, what did you do that for? No, my life becomes his. He can do what he likes with my life. If I want to know his will, I need to be in the place where I'm a living sacrifice. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, Lord. I want your will for my life, whatever that is. For that couple in Iran... Lord, if your will is for me to do, do what you've been telling me to do and to go back into prison again, then, Lord, I want your will. Now, by the way, I think they can depend upon grace for that. I think they can depend upon God's presence, God being with them for that. But that's kind of a stark thought, isn't it? You know, we're in church in Talon, a nice winter's morning, but it's cozy in here and life is going well. Really? Present my body a living sacrifice or whatever you want to do? Yeah. That's, that's what he asks of us. Now look at, look at the... Um, by the way, he says that's reasonable. That's reasonable because Jesus died for you. It's reasonable for you to give yourself to him. And then he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, part of the problem for us is this, Right? we're very much creatures of our age and creatures of our world and our thinking is very much influenced by our world and, our, and our, our, the people around us tell us certain things are right and certain things are wrong may not be totally scriptural but that's what we expect to happen in our lives and, and we look at our lives and, uh, and what happens is we get conformed to the world we expect the normal things we expect to be comfortable we expect to have rights we expect a whole bunch of stuff and he says, no, 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 no. Don't conform your thinking to the world. Conform your thinking to me. Let your mind be renewed. Come to understand truth. Come to understand my way. Come to understand what I want for your life. Don't, don't, don't let your mind just go with the thinking of your day. Even, by the way, sometimes the Christian thinking of your day. You know, the Christian thinking of our day can be, can be very lame. No, it needs to be renewed. Your mind needs to be renewed according to the word. And then what does he say? That ye may prove. That word prove means no. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? You know what? You can know God's will. 
You can know God's will for your life. You need to be, have a heart to live an obedient life, first of all. Just to do his will. You need to be willing to put your will aside and do his will. And you present your body a living sacrifice and have your mind renewed and let God show you what he wants for you. Do you know that what God wants for you is definitely better than what you want for you? Now, I didn't say <clears throat> it looks better to you. I said it is better. Because he knows best. And he's got the long-range view for your life. Is he asking you to go through some things right now that are just cutting you deep? You know what? He's got the plan. Just give in. Just yield. Just let him have his way. You see, we're just a vapor passing across the sky. We're clouds. Pretty soon we're going to be with him. And he has the best plan for your life. But what you and I need to do is we need to say yes, Lord, and yield. And do you know what comes when we do that? Peace. You know, Jesus came to the place where he said to the Father, nevertheless, not my will but thine. And you know what happened? Angels came and ministered to him. You see, you can be facing the hardest situation in your life. And on your own, it's impossible. But when God steps into the picture and God helps you, it's okay. Why don't you just yield to God today? If there's something he's brought to you, <clears throat> to your mind and your heart, and this is the one, he, then yield on that issue. If it's just that you need to yield your life and say, Lord, it's not my life, it's your life, then yield on that issue. If you have never presented yourself to him as a living sacrifice, do it today. Lord, I'm yours. You can, have, you can do whatever you like with me, Lord. My life belongs to you. I'm putting it on the altar right now. It's, it's yours. Do it today. You see, the best life is the surrendered life. But from our side, often that looks too hard. But the best life is the surrendered life. Let's stand for prayer. <laughs> Father in heaven, we sense your presence and we thank you, Lord, for working in hearts and lives. Lord, would you bless us now, Lord? Would you draw us into that sweet place of your will? Lord, we, we, we want to be those people, Lord, that can lay hold of your throne and see answered prayer. And yet, Lord, so often we miss the conditions that are attached to it. Lord, would you bless? Would you put your hand upon us? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Let me ask you this. Is there something that God is saying... I want you to accept that. That's my will in your life. Is there something in you would say this morning, I'm going to accept it. Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to accept it. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. 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 See those hands. Is there something in your life that you need to say, Lord, <clears throat> not my will, but thine. Not what I want, but what you want may not be he's asking you to accept it but he is saying to you I, I want you to be willing to accept my will would you say pastor pray for me there's something I need to be willing to accept amen see that hand amen amen one other question you're here this morning in the spirit of God 
has shown you you've never made yourself that living sacrifice. You've never come to that place where you've said, Lord, whatever, I'm yours. You can do what you like. But this morning I want to make that commitment. By grace, depending upon him, I want to present myself a living sacrifice this morning. He can do whatever he wants with my life. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Are there others? Now, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for a people that want to hear. And blessed Spirit of the living God now, would you do the work that no man can do, that no preacher can do, and no person receiving the word can do? Would you do that work and bring to fruit that which you've touched people's hearts with today? Lord, would you let it become reality and let our walk with you become deeper? And, oh, Lord, that you would raise up prayer warriors, Lord, uh, who are in touch with you and can see you do great and mighty things. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.